Please be seated. Grace and peace be with you from God, our Creator, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I give thanks to Jake for inviting me here. Hope you feel that positive when I'm done. <laughs> so decades ago, I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and I made a really bad decision. It was about five days before Christmas, and I had yet to buy my wife a present. So on a Saturday afternoon, I went to Rich's Department Store in Lenox Square. If any of y'all have been to Atlanta, you know that's a bad idea. <laughs> I knew something was wrong when I couldn't find a place to park. When I got in the store, it was just mobbed. And you know, the way that stores have a way of making you encounter merchandise is they put all the merchandise in the middle of the aisle so it's impossible to walk in a straight line. So I was fumbling around trying to find something that would work and this elderly lady grabbed my uh, shirt and sort of pulled me down so that my ear was closer to her mouth and she said, do you know how to get out of here? I think that's the question, do we? Do we know how to get out of the mess that's in our country? Do we know how to get our priorities of our nation turned right side up? Do we know how we can actually walk towards being the beloved community? So here we are in Lent, here we are professing to God our intention to have a holy Lent and I keep thinking that wouldn't it be convenient if this were just about chocolate? <laughs> but the truth is, the calling of Lent is deeper and darker and harder than that. Because in Lent, we will find ourselves in the wilderness. We find ourselves in where the poet Dante calls a dark wood where the straight way was lost. So what are the clues that the gospel today has to give us about how to deal with this? Well, it's about the temptations. So our first temptation is to turn stone to bread, which sounds great, doesn't it? Free food. Henry Nouwen, the great theologian, defines this temptation as a temptation to be relevant. I think what he means is it's the drive to let go of the real task for something that is trendy and fleeting. Stones last forever. Bread has a short shelf life. I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about our, politically, our political toxicity and I want to ask myself, how do we exercise our duties as citizens, but more, how do we exercise our commitment to be agents of the good news of Jesus? You know and I know that the election before us can change the course of our country. But what I want to say is, Walt Whitman, you'll find out that I like to quote poets, so there it is. So what I want to say is Walt Whitman says, the clock indicates the moment 
But what does eternity indicate? Today, we, the celebrant will stand behind the altar and say, lift up your hearts and you will say, I was a little nervous about that. I'm glad you passed. So. <laughs> when we say that, what we're saying is we lift the center of our being to a higher picture, to a higher perspective, to a higher reference point. What we're saying is we remember our calling to be agents of the radical good news of our Savior Jesus Christ. To reconcile all of creation, all of creation. And all means Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump. The wilderness is a place apart from Jerusalem, apart from Washington, D.C. It's a place where we go to regain our perspective, to remember who we are, to remember why we are here, to remember what we're called to do as agents of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And that means we must yearn for everyone to come home. Everyone. Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, and being a Tar Heel, Roy Williams, and Coach K. <laughs> Let's remember that we in the church have one fundamental calling. It's to be agents of communion. That's our business. We are in the communion business. And our calling is always to mend the breach. Our calling is always to call everyone to come home to themselves and to one another and to the creator God. And therefore, in Lent, it's not hard to figure out what to do. It's just hard to do it. If we are unreconciled to anyone, our job is to begin to pray for them and to seek reconciliation with them. To ask God, help me see Christ in that person. If instead we take the foundations of our faith and we turn it from that rock of our faith into some bread that's for immediate consumption, we will stay in the wilderness forever. Two, the devil tempts Jesus to throw himself down. It's a temptation to do something that is spectacular but has no lasting effect. There's always this temptation to measure your worth by how many Facebook friends you have. Or for people like me, it's to measure your worth by how many letters you have in front of your name. I am not just Porter Taylor, I'm the right Reverend Dr. Porter Taylor. And the problem with that is you begin to believe I am what people say about me. I am what I own. I am what I do. It's that temptation of I am my power, I am my prestige, I am my possessions. Which means we have an exterior life with no one at home inside. 
In Lent, we're invited to go into the wilderness where we carry none of that baggage. It's just us and God, one on one. We fall into the hands of a living God who reminds us of who we are, of why we're here, of what we're called to do. This will be hard for us. There's an election on Tuesday, but maybe for 40 days and 40 nights we could stop obsessing about politics. Maybe for 40 days and 40 nights we could stop worrying about our reputation, our appearance to other people. We could stop thinking about our accomplishments or our lack of accomplishments and just walk into the wilderness empty-handed, ready to encounter the living God. I have a BA from North Carolina, an MA from the University of South Carolina, PhD from Emory, and an MDiv from Sewanee. And when I got my diploma from Sewanee, my mother said, isn't it nice you'll have another diploma for your wall? That's what mothers are for. <laughs> and I wondered to myself, how many degrees do I need to feel that I'm smart enough? How many? And I wish I could say the answer was four. God says to us what God says to Jesus. It's not about your stuff. It's not about your political positions. It's not about the books you've read. It's not about the neighborhood you live in. It's not even about the church you go to. It's about rediscovering that God loves you for no good reason except that's what God does. That's the wilderness. The Lenten invitation is to dare to be simply yourself. Simply you. To let go of your armor, of your power, your possessions, your reputation, and simply to fall into the hands of a living God. Maybe not for 24 hours a day at the beginning, maybe for 10 minutes a day. But we need to remember the only road to the garden where resurrection, resurrection happens is through the wilderness. You have to get lost in order to be found. And then the third temptation, which is to bow down to something that is less than the truth. Let's remember when Jesus gathers his disciples and gets ready to send them out, what is the equipment that he actually gives them? Well, he says, take nothing for the journey, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, nor four diplomas, nor anything else. Our most common sin, I, maybe I can't speak for you, my most common sin is idolatry, to worship something that is smaller than God. And that, I hate to say, can be our liturgy. That certainly can be our political opinions. It can be our comforts, it can be our house, it can be our routine, it can be our possessions, it can be anything. 
but the way to resurrection is always through the cross, which means we have to let go of everything that is not God and rediscover God. We have to walk into the wilderness by ourselves, undefended, empty-handed. And the word for this is kenosis, a letting go, a self-emptying of our ego so that we might hear our true name and remember who we are, why we're here, what we're to do. Kenosis is the foundation of Lent. It is letting go of our false self so that we might discover our true self. Henry Nouwen, the famous writer and speaker, was on the faculty at Yale. But he discovered the more famous he got, the more isolated he felt. So he left his prestigious chair at Yale and joined the Larch community, a community of severely handicapped men and women. From these people, Henry Nouwen writes that he learned, quote, that joy and peace and love and care are prayer, which I could never learn in any academy. Most of all, he writes, I received a glimpse through these people of God's first love. This is what we have to learn day after day after day. So Henry Nouwen would still go on speaking tours, but when he did, he would take one of the children, a boy named Adam, with him to remind him of who he was. He went to Houston, Texas, and for some reason, the logistics, he couldn't take Adam with him. So as he was coming back to the large community, he was in the, the uh, Dallas airport, and he bought a cowboy hat for Adam. And he was thinking, won't this be wonderful? Won't this make Adam so happy when I give it to him? But when he came back to the community and met with Adam and offered him the hat, Adam took it out and put it on the floor and stomped on it. And he said to Henry, I don't want your stupid hat. I want you. This is what God says to us. God doesn't want our stupid accomplishments our power, our prestige, our possessions. God wants us open-hearted. And we are called to want God as much as God wants us. My brothers and sisters, the Spirit sends Jesus into the wilderness just as the Spirit sends us so that we can let go of what binds us and makes us less than we are called to be. And we can give to the world what the world desperately needs, not relevancy, not spectacular acts, not an idol, but the radical love of God in Jesus Christ. Amen.